What is the measure of a man? What does it mean to lead a life well lived? I often thought about those questions, and with the help of John Assetti, I had the opportunity to explore them through John's amazing life. John is spry and vibrant at the age of 93, and I met him after he had published his seventh book at age 92. As I got to know John and his life story, I wanted to share this amazing and inspiring journey, which began in Niagara Falls in the 1930s, to his current life in the hill country of Texas. Overcoming an humiliating childhood incident at age eight, John was the first in his family to go to college, served in the Air Force, became a teacher, a principal, and retired from his first career. In his second career, He and his wife traveled internationally and ended up in Kerrville, Texas, where John began yet another career as an author. Join me on this most fascinating journey from last to first with John Assetti. In this episode, John Assetti retires, goes into Rotary full-time, and travels the world. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back with John Assetti. We are to the point where John has retired, and we're going to move to probably either second or third career. we got several more to go, but uh, why don't you tell us, how did you get to Kerrville, John? Tom, very interesting question, because my wife tells one story, and I tell another story. So I'm going to be I'm going to be as honest as I can and tell my wife's story. (laughs) Actually, when I started in Niagara Falls, New York, to teach, and then I moved to the State University of College of New York in Geneseo, where I was there for six years as a teacher, helping teacher, as well as an assistant principal at the lab school, campus school, for four years. And then moved on to a principalship in Olean, New York, for 20 years and then decided to retire to some warmer area to Kerrville, Texas, and that's where I'm beginning my writing career. But I believe one of the things we wanted to mention is that Rotary was an extremely, Rotary International was an extremely important aspect of this move for me, not my wife, but for me. When I was at the State University of New York at Geneseo is when a neighbor of mine, who was a businessman, invited me to join the local Rotary Club. He felt that I would be a good Rotarian. He seemed I was a very dedicated educator and very conscientious, very devoted to the field of education. I don't know where he got that from. He must have been talking to someone else. But anyway, I did join. And that was the beginning of a very fascinating aspect of my career, which really brought me to Texas. We happened to have a fundraising program. We had a spaghetti and meatball dinner for the community to raise money for an agency in town. And my job as part of the role of Rotarians doing different kinds of activities and jobs, I was to be responsible for washing the pots and pans as they kept coming into the kitchen in dishes. And there was another gentleman who was also assigned to do that. And we didn't know each other at all. 
And what was ironic about this is that I told him my name was John. He said his name was Bob. We always went by first name. We didn't go by ranks in Rotary. You're not called a doctor or a professor. You're either Tom or John. And I liked that part. We began talking about our career fields. And lo and behold, and remember now I'm an assistant principal at a lab school. And Bob was the president of the college. And I'm saying to myself, I don't believe this. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> How can I be in this position? And he was so humble and so nice. And I never forgot it. And it inspired me, really inspired me, not only as an educator, but he as a Rotarian, wanting to give back to the community or to the world. That struck me really hard. And I never forgot that. And so when I went, when we moved to to Olean, New York, I automatically joined the Rotary Club and became extremely active in Rotary, from local to district to international projects. I became more internationally oriented, primarily because I got involved in international concerns. The Rotary Club, the district anyway, selected me to serve as a team leader of five young people, both men and women, between the ages of 25 and 40, to go to Argentina for four weeks, all expenses paid. Familiar with that program. There you go. And I was shocked to be selected, but I've been doing a lot of traveling too prior to that. I think that's what they saw, and they also saw me as an educator too. My job was to train these folks before we went there and while we were there. And that was an experience of a lifetime which changed my whole life perspective of working with people. And from there, when we moved to Texas, I wanted to move to Texas, and my wife did too because of the warmer weather. But we wanted to do something different. We wanted to volunteer. And that's what we did. We volunteered. We came to Texas to... Now, I work with a program called Partners in Education. And my wife worked with a program called Literacy. So we both really worked hard. And we enjoyed what we did. But my concern was Rotary. I just loved Rotary. And did all kinds of projects on the local level and and district level. I was on a district committee, selecting people to serve as team leaders. And then, again, went to Argentina. I went to Antarctica. And as we landed on the Zodiac, from the ship to the Zodiac to the land, here was this tower of big stones there welcoming people. And there was a huge sign there. It said, welcome, Rotary Club of Antarctica. And I said to myself, I don't believe it. This is awesome. And there's a gentleman there who was living there, found out he was the president of the Rotary Club. And I said, hey, I'm a Rotarian. He says, I want to talk to you. As soon as you land, stand right here next to me. I said, okay. So I'm trying to figure, okay, what's going on? So he welcomed me and glad to see me, vice versa. Nice to have you come. He says, I'd like you to show you something. I said, yeah, sure. So we walked up through the little village they had there, and that was quite fascinating. And there were a couple of big buildings. We walked in one building, which was like a a tourist business. And he wasn't going to sell me anything. He went to this one section, and he picked out three postcards about Antarctica with photographs on them. He says, here, take them home with you and give them to your club. And this is your makeup meeting 
to prove that you've been here. <laughs> I could not believe it. It was fabulous. And I never forgot that because here I was in a very close, cold place, and I was received in a very warm manner. It's ironic when you stop to think about that. And so that struck me also, by the way, as really a very interesting way that one should carry himself and also try to do as much as you can for people, not only on the local or country, but international level. And that's what I did. In fact, whenever my wife and I, we traveled to Easter Island and... We visited a lot of areas there, and I was told by the president of the club that they needed instruments for students in school, and, and they're working on a grant from the national program. And I thought about that, and we came home. I raised $1,000, and, and so I mailed him a $1,000 check for, as a grant towards buying instruments for the school. They couldn't get over it. They were shocked by that. But it's giving back. It's doing something. And Argentina had a project about with a school, building a, a greenhouse next to the school. And they're wondering if there was any money, grant money available to help doing that. And I had been there, so I knew who the family was when I was there for four weeks. So I collected $1,100. And my wife and I took a visit back to Argentina, went to a rotary meeting, and presented the $1,100 to the president of the club towards the greenhouse for the school because the kids were learning how to, about plants. And also uh, they were making little pottery for plants. And they were selling them and the money they were using for school projects. And I'm saying to myself, that's what we should be doing, helping each other out. This is great. And then I presented a Paul Harris Award. Are you familiar with that? No. Okay, it's a... Paul Harris Award is a very the highest award you can receive in Rotary. And what happens is that when a person donates $1,000 to the Rotary International for various projects, and as long as you have 1,000, that gives you 1,000 points, then you can identify a person and present that. So I did that to the person who was in charge of the program, who was the daughter of the family we stayed with. At a Rotary meeting, they were aghast that this happened. But it, it was my personal feeling that they were so nice to me because they made me, they had me stay at their home in their bedroom. They gave up their bedroom for me to stay at for four weeks. No, I'm sorry, two weeks. Stayed at other places too. And that, that was my way of giving back. And so they, they were just so very much appreciated. In fact, one Rotarian said, boy, you are the, let's see, what they call the typical an ideal Rotarian from what you're doing. I said, that's what we do. We provide service. We all do that. Not just me. We all do it. Right. All, all should be doing it. And then we went to, went to Singapore. And I felt so comfortable with Rotary on an international level. And we used to go, and wherever we travel, I would always make sure and check to see if there's a Rotary Club there so I could do a makeup meeting. So Singapore was one place we went. And... I had a lot of fun with that club, by the way. But they were a fun group. Most Rotarians are a fun people. When the president welcomed me in the club, my wife was there with me as a visitor. He said, we have John and Sunny and his wife, Carol, who are here from the state of Texas. And they all applauded. 
And as soon as he finished with that, one of the Rotarians stood up and said, Sir, question. Yeah. He said, I always thought Texans, like Texas cowboys, were tall and, and lanky. He, and they all laughed. And I'm short and chubby. And so I waited until he was finished, and I was thinking real fast. So I said, Mr. President, I have a question or a comment. I got up and I said, a gentleman who just made that remark is right. He is absolutely right. Texas cowboys are tall and lanky. But I think he forgot to mention something that I'd like to clarify so all of you Rotaries in Singapore understand. I was a cowboy for 40 years, and I was six feet two when I started. But because of my riding every day for eight to 10 hours, up and down on the saddle, my body shrunk, <laughs> laughing like that. And so I decided I would stop cowboying. So what I did is that I became the boss. I owned a big ranch, 10,000 acres of land. And I'm making this all up. And I have 100 cowboys working for me. Those cowboys don't know that they're going to be short when they get to be my age. <laughs> they just split their guts, by the way. <laughs> we had so much fun, so much laughing. But that's what Rotary is all about, is to have some humor. Because most Rotarians are, are CEOs, managers, directors. They really work hard. And uh, so this is a time to have a little levity in the meeting. And that was my purpose in doing that. So anyway, Rotary played a very important part coming to Texas. And now I, in fact, I have up there on that shelf there and say honorary membership. I spent, I, I spent 50 years in Rotary and I retired. That's who they gave me. I'm an honorary member, which means that I can go back anytime I want and my breakfast is free. And I go back, oh, maybe once a month I go back to visit the club and go to a meeting and say hello and raise some questions all that kind of stuff. But there's that camaraderie among Rotarians that as leaders, all they're all leaders, by the way. And I guess as a principal, I served as a leader too. But it has given me what I would say, not only insight, but also a purpose in life that I felt was extremely important. How important it was for me to give back. And I have seen things that a lot of people have not seen around the world, especially the poorest of the poor. And I'm not sure if I've told you this story or not, but part of our program for my wife and I, we've traveled to countries in Central America and Bolivia, and we usually have spent a week there visiting. It's a program where you get a chance to support a child or an adult, an aged adult. And in Brazil, when we were in, I'm sorry, not Brazil, Bolivia. We were in the country of Bolivia. And we met a, a little boy. Well, we were going to have a little boy we were going to sponsor from the time he's in school until whether he wants to go on to college. And when he after college, then we stop. But when we arrived in Bolivia, I was talking to an interpreter from Brazil. And we got chatty. And all of a sudden, I felt someone pulled my left hand down. And I looked down. And I wasn't sure what it was. It was a little girl, maybe two, three years old, pulling my arm down and asked me a question in Spanish, which I didn't understand. So I asked the interpreter, would you ask her what she's asking? Yeah, okay. So she asked the girl, a little girl, and then she looked at me and she says, you really want to hear what she has to say? I said, yeah, of course, why not? Okay. 
A little girl asking, are you my father? I can tell you, Tom, seriously, I almost cried. Almost. I came very close to it. Although that night I cried that in this day and age, I never expected to hear something like that. And I didn't know whether to pick her up and hug her or, to, or chase her away when that happened. And I told her to tell her that, no, I'm not. And I never forgot that experience. And it really helped me to understand those people out there who are all over the world, not just locally, but all over the world, who are struggling every day to survive. And I have no hesitation to help. I took it very seriously. We still donate money to help kids, but that's who I am. That's what I have become. As a result of Rotary and coming to Kerrville, I've become more and more involved in Rotary. So what are some of the projects you did here in Kerrville? I have them listed. My papers work here. One, one program was the mini-grant program where we, as an educator, I noticed that teachers have very limited time to do anything extra, but there are those teachers out there who are not only capable but very interested in doing something extra. So I designed the program where we provided, only in my school to begin with, with small amounts of money to do things, such as $50 to learn about, by buying a book, about helping kids give speeches so their kids can give talks to other schools and other kids and when they grow up or in high school, give talks, starting at an early age. Well, we did that for about three years, and then the kids loved it so much that can we do this through all the schools? Yeah, sure, I can open it up, because I was waiting for that to happen. So we opened up the elementary, middle school, and high school. And so teachers, some I think it probably ended up being about maybe seven or eight that would apply. One high school teacher applied for a grant, I think it was $150, to build a weather station on top of the high school. Great. But they had an application they had to fill out complicated one and then they had to give a report after it either submit a report or give a report sometimes i would invite those people to give a report to rotary club and the rotary rotarians loved it they couldn't believe these kids were small kids like one one child who's a fifth grade child was learning how to interview people and so he stood up there he had a, a little box to stand on for the microphone and he started out with a joke and he says it's my understanding in, in giving speeches that you start off with a joke, telling people so they can get them to laugh. And they all laughed, by the way. And then he went into all the things that, that he was doing in life. So, and it turned out just beautiful. I was amazed, by the way, of what people did with this extra money and extra time and extra desire. But the biggest project of all, as a result of all this, was one teacher, an art teacher at the high school, wanted to submit a project on learning more about Oriental art. And what she wanted to do was to attend the Seventh World's Children's Art in Taipei, Taiwan. And the Rotary Club accepted it, but to go to Taiwan. So, grant was written for $2,000 to send her there, and it was accepted by Rotary International. And I think we came up with another grant for $1,000 for any expenses you may have. And uh, she was there for four weeks. Her husband went with her for the first two weeks, paid his own way, 
And she said, can you find anyone else to come to spend the last two weeks? I couldn't find anybody. So guess what I did? I sent my wife. She went. Loved it. And she came back. I can't tell you how many boxes of artwork. Because her, some of her students had applied with the artwork that they had, plus Chinese students. And the students from the United States, were brought, they brought back students that received gold, silver, and bronze medal, plus a lot of Chinese art from kids. And so she had an exhibit at a public library with all of this in the library for the community to come in to see. It was absolutely awesome. International. Olean's a small town. You don't go international. But that was my interest. You can start small, and boy, you can really explode. People are interested if you give them the opportunity and also an opportunity to, to do it. And so that's another big project. That was the biggest project we did. Others were dealing with not only weather and public speaking, but also energy. Well, I, I can't even remember. There, there were so many of them, by the way. But we would get them every year. We'd have a committee of Rotarians. They would look them over, read them over, and accept the ones that they thought were good, and then write back and contact the people and say, yep, yeah, it's been approved. Man. You have a year to do it. We're near the end of our time for this episode, but what would you say to the businessman of today, whether he be 25, whether he be 55, whether he be 75, about joining Rotary and the benefits of being a Rotarian? I guess maybe the best way I can say that Answer your question, Tom, is that if I had not been a Rotarian, I would not be here talking to you, number one. Number two, and I've given this a lot of thought before you even came, by the way, even though I didn't know you were going to ask, but I would say the role of my position in Rotary for 50 years has been probably the highlight of my life. It made me who I am. It made me confident, it made me driven, it made me humble, it made me think about what I can offer the world. And I think I've succeeded to a point in giving as much as I could, psychologically, adult-wise. Rotary is designed to serve others. Rotary provides you an opportunity local, national, international, to not only help others, but to give others an opportunity to grow. You can't lose with Rotary. You can only win. John, I think that's a great way for us to end this episode. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode one of From Last to First, the John Assetti story. It's been my privilege to work with John on this project. He has used it to jumpstart his autobiography, which will be coming out in the next month or two, and I will certainly let you know when that happens. We've linked to John's author page on Amazon.com in the show notes, so check out some of the great books by John Assetti. From Last to First, the John Assetti Story is a special production of the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network.